episode this is. Let's say it's 150 something. I'm talking to Ryan Lindsay. Hi, Ryan. Hey, mate. How are you going? Good. Now, nice. the main reason you're on this podcast is because you mentioned that you listen to the podcast. Yes. That's usually my method of like anytime ah. someone says, oh, I listened to an yeah. episode, I'm like, all right, I'll have yeah. to ask them at a later date. Yeah. Um, how did you find the podcast? Or oh, it was mentioned in the staff room somewhere. Oh, I okay. think that would have been my first key onto it. Right. Um, I, I can't even remember. Oh, I remember Kelly. Kelly did it. Yes, episode. that's and right. Like, I definitely can pin it back to them, but I think I knew of it before then as well. Right, right, right. Um, but I knew that she was going to be on there. So um, I'd listened to that one and then poked around at some of the other people that I knew. Yeah. Um, as, as we do when we I need to get things. Kelly back on because I'm forever oh. obsessed with her weird yeah. small big things in Absolutely. small places and small things in big places. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so yeah, as soon as you mentioned it, I was like, all right, well, I have to ask you. Anyway, I work yes. with Ryan. Mm. Um, uh, you're a teacher, clearly. Mm. But uh, I, today, I think I might talk to you a bit more about writing. Yeah, yeah. Right, because you're. Uh, well, what do you? How do you describe yourself if someone says, "What is your job?" Apart from I, being it's a funny teacher, because I don't use the word author. Right, that that's for me I'm... feels like novels and right it feels like prose right i don't think that people write film or authors either but uh-huh. i could be wrong but it's just personally so i say i'm a writer and i write comic books right right right. and i don't care if it's comic books or graphic novels right i really don't i don't know if i wrote that down like do i get asked that so i i remember being introduced at, at some event once and they were like are we do you want us to say that you write comic books or do you prefer graphic novels and right. i was like same thing i really don't mind like but you could tell they were like are we going to make you sound like an idiot if we say comic books? Like your baby? Right. And I was like, well, I am wearing a cape and undies on the outside. So yeah, 100%. Yeah. But yeah, they had that divide. And I was like, no, they're like, they're the same thing. And I think that either term is like, I, I love comic books. Right. Like, I don't think graphic novel makes, makes it more literate. I think okay. people think okay. that. Yeah. I, I, I just don't descri- uh, subscribe to that. Um, I think that the, the comic book is, is the form. It's, it's the ninth art, right? The n- ninth the art? The ninth art. I yeah. don't know I couldn't what that name means. the first eight. No. Yeah, I'm sure there's like sculpture and uh, tapestry and uh, uh, breakdance fighting for self-defense. I've or never heard of this at all. Like that. Yeah, there's no, a, a number I, of I, arts. I stumbled upon it on Scott McCloud's Understanding Comics, oh, okay. which is like huh. the it's 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 such a cliche that it's the text about comics, right, but right, it's right. genius. Like it's a book about comics that is a comic by a guy that understands it yeah. so well. Um, and he made a series of them, reinventing comics and then something else. And it's like, oh, okay. So theoretically, you understand it. And then he did this huge graphic novel or comic yeah. book, if you will, called The Sculptor. And it was brilliant, just genius. And you're yeah. like, oh, you can, you can walk the walk. Too. Right. Yeah. So I remember hearing about it from that, from memory. But yeah, I just say I, I write comic books. Right. So uh, we've worked together for a number of years. And I think mm. yesterday was probably the most I learned about you by just Googling you and finding <laughs> out all your, you know, going on your blogs and problem. seeing all this other stuff. Yeah. Uh, we sound like we grew up in a similar situation. Are you, oh, yeah. are you one of three boys? Is yes. Yeah, youngest out of three. Me too. Mm. That's, that's what I thought. And I was like reading through it. Yeah. And it wasn't anything from your any of your uh, media. There was something about your brother, which now I realise you have two. Mark? Yeah, as the eldest, yeah. Yeah, so he's the eldest. Mm-hmm. And I saw something which I was like, oh my God, childhood must have been very similar where he was talking about his love of tom savini oh yes right and yeah. i was like okay so three boys mm. were you all in a tom savini or was one brother right into that kind of stuff yeah. those of you who don't know tom savini 
very famous in Hollywood for making just the grossest... The best special effects yeah. for some of the best old horror films. Yeah. Um, just no, blood and shit. Where, and, 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 he's, and he's like, you can see he's a funny guy. And yes. when he acts, uh, like yeah. from Dust Till Dawn in a very hammed up role. But yeah. Yeah, interesting guy. Um, he got really buff in late Yes. Years. I, yeah. So, so that's when you know you're <laughs> It's always weird, isn't too it? Often. It um, is weird where you're like, oh... Tom Savini, I've seen documentaries made about you in the 80s where yeah. you look very coked up. And, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, now you get buffed up and... Yeah, then his 50s decided to hit this health kick. Yeah. God bless him. You know, maybe we'll find that in our future. <laughs> That's right, I yes. doubt it. <laughs> maybe. Um, but no, I, me and my brothers are very much cut from the same cloth. There's, right. there's differences, but man, we are like uh, simpatico. Like, so how, how much older is Mark to you? There's five years in between, um, between us each time. So Mark's 10 years right, older. Right, right, right. Yeah. So... I, I grew up in this, having this experience, being the youngest of three boys. What movies did they show you that you were too young to watch? All of them. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so what would have been? But like, so 1990, I'm eight years old. Mark's, um, what would he be? 18 and just joining the army. And so at around that stage, he was he was showing me all sorts of stuff and just getting away with it. Like I, I like I saw. Um, I mean, by that stage, I would have seen like you know, all the classic horrors of the eighties, like Nightmare on Elm Street, which scared the piss out of me. Yeah, that one—that's yeah, that, that's the only one that stuck with me. Where I was like, "Oh, I'm afraid of that." Whereas I remember watching The Thing, John Carpenter's yes, The Thing, and, and not being familiar. not being afraid of it, but oh, loving right. it, and still loving it to yeah. this day. But watching that, um, it was probably as we turn into the nineties that I start to watch like Argento and Cronenberg, and right. it really starts to hit the the idea of you shouldn't yeah. really be worried. Uh, which which has super informed me now as a parent. Where, because uh, my son's um, just started high school this year, and so he's sort of like, well, what else can I watch? Yeah. He doesn't necessarily want to push into the nasties and the, the you know the video nasties and what have you, but he's sort of like, how far can I go? And I'm like, no, a reasonable, like, responsible level. And he's like, yeah, but that didn't happen for you. Yeah. And exactly. My wife instantly jumps out. And is like, yeah, and look at him. Yeah, like, look you what think happened. Your dad's to him. normal. I um, always think. I'm the, I'm the same. My 14 mm. year old. She likes horror. Yeah. What where like what level my wife is like oh i should show a scream and you're like yeah but mm. that first scene is pretty mm. is pretty full on sense, right? uh, in fact i once showed the beginning i was doing horror with year eight yeah. and i once showed the opening scene of scream forgetting just how full on it is mm. to a year eight class yeah and when it finished i finished and someone said look at tom and everyone looked and this kid was like pale mm, yeah and i was like oh Okay, yeah. well, I won't do that again. Lesson he, learned, right? And, and it was one of those things where, like, year eight, you would expect everyone to be like, let's give Tom crap forever. Yeah. But they were like, oh, no, he's genuinely terrified. Mm. Maybe let's not make fun well, of the... But by year eight, I'd seen everything. Yeah, well, it was the same. Like, yeah. I, I've seen, you know, the ones that stick out were... Uh, I've told my brother this many times, but he showed me Maximum Overdrive, <laughs> which is a terrible movie, it's but so someone gets hit by a truck and there's no cutaway or anything like that. Mm. They just sort of explode. Yeah. And I just remember just that freaked me out. Yeah. Uh, and like a lot of, you know, Bad Taste and all Peter Jackson's yeah, yeah. early films where I was like, this is great. Mm. Like, I'm 10. I sh- yeah. definitely shouldn't be watching this. Um, but like if you're watching those <laughs> kinds of movies, oh, what I was saying was mm. having children that watch it they don't need you to show them. They need a friend. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. They need to come home and go, oh, I watched this. I'm scared. Why? Yeah. Oh, my friend, we're at their house and we watch blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And go, well, you probably shouldn't have been watching that, but all right, now we know. We set, we, set, we set an interesting sort of like boundary to it, but we did make 
uh, my son a rule this year. If you read the book, you can watch the film. Oh, wow. Within reason. So yeah. I was like, you know, American Psycho, Clockwork Orange, there's certain <laughs> things, no, nah, it's not <laughs> happening. Um, but for a lot of others, so he's, re- so he's read a few Stephen Kings, he's read Shawshank Redemption, he's mm-hmm. read The Revenant, which may come back to bite me, but I didn't think he'd read it. Mm. So yeah, right, right, right. right. Um, yeah. But he sort of went to the, the book fair and was like, I'm going to get a bunch of these. Has he uh, read it yet? That's always a 12-year-old's no, delight. he's asked about it. He's grabbed a copy out of my office. Yeah. It's big. Right. Yeah, it's big, but I remember reading it mm. maybe either between year six and high school or between year five and year six. It's very yeah. familiar to a lot of people I've spoken to or like around that age and just yeah. being like, oh, mm. okay. Well, yeah. this is it's such a good book. And so I've sort of been like, all right, well, he asked for The Shining and I was like, I'm not letting you watch that. I think that's too scary. It's too effective on Right, film. right, right. So we're always trying to find that that balance because then I have to check myself and be like well you know did I watch it well, I probably watched it way before then but what do I think now do I want to mop up the pieces if you know it's too scary yeah. is, is, it, is it responsible but um, I, I don't know if you're the same as this but my poor kids it's like an English lesson after every film because yeah. we talk about it. right. Oh, yeah. What did we Very. think about those characters? Did we notice how toxic these people were? What do you think the message was through these people? And it's really cool because we end up in some really interesting spaces. And I don't remember having that ever no. with anybody. No, absolutely it not. It would just be like, did you see that bit where the truck hit the guy? Yeah, that's cool. Did you see the Green Goblin on the front? Yeah, that's but right. That was that... even cooler. Did you hear the music? Yeah, it's rubbish. Correct. So yeah, yeah how good Night of the Living Dead and the thing and the, yeah. how funny was it where they ate the brains with a spoon? Yeah. it's like the Chris Farley show. Did you ever see? Yeah, this? Yeah, 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 exactly. It just feels like you're doing that, <laughs> which has its merits. Yeah. Um, but uh, I wonder whether what point they'll come to where they'll be like, can we just watch something? Yeah. Why do we have to do this? But it's the same. Like I just talk to them about why things work, mm. especially the, you know they they'll watch film set in high school and yeah. just encourage them to be like well what's the mm. weird part about that yeah. there's the things that catch them mm. are luckily you know it's always good when your kids sort of like stuff where you're like that's mm. good quality yeah. like, I'm just going to put it in front of you and yeah. you'll like it or you won't you know like but yeah when you have those differing opinions I'm starting to appreciate that because I was like, eventually the the father unveiling of Blade Runner comes out and I'm like, we got to watch this. And he'd read the books. I was like, let's watch it. And we get to the end and he's like, mid. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, he's really pushy in that kissing scene. And I'm like, well, that's a terrible, terrible, terrible scene. Yeah. Um, But what about the other stuff? And he was like, "Eh, just wasn't my tempo, dude. And I'm like, how many times have you watched it? Yeah, you don't. Yeah. I was like, these things matter to me because I've watched them at a formative. It's like if, if I showed my children Pulp Fiction mm. I have to remember the first time I saw it I said to my brother yeah it's okay yeah and he was like he'd been he'd seen it at the movies and yeah. I, I was too young yeah and he was like what are you talking about mm. I was like I like Red's Wild Dogs better and he was yeah. like that is crazy and then yeah. of course you watch it again and you're like oh okay yep it mm. gets better the more you watch it yeah so you've got to always be mindful of that mm. too the film that my youngest likes more than I expected was Some Like It Hot like the Jack oh, Lemmon, uh, Tony yeah, Curtis. Yeah. I thought she was sick one day, and I thought, "Oh, let's watch that." And then, yeah. she, that's her. Like, I'm sick at home oh, with Dad. Nice. Can we watch that again? Yeah. Uh, and then I've shown her other ones of that era, but they're usually like this is a bit boring. Yeah, a bit weird. I've tried to throw in a few of those. One because they're safe for the whole family, yeah. really. Always. Yeah. So we watched like Twelve Angry Men, and we watched. Um, what a hoot! Yeah, right. <laughs> they were riveted by yeah, it, yeah, which was really kind of cool. And we've watched Rewindow, which yeah. is just like. Yeah, it's low stakes. Yeah, so I watched that too, but yeah, my daughter found it again weird. Mm. The setting, the way it's filmed, yeah, the setting of it. But then by the end, she's you know that's mm. 
Hitchcock's pretty good at building suspense. So yeah. She was like, oh my God, the dog is under the flowers. Like mm, yeah. shouting things at the screen. Yeah. And, Get out of there. All that good mm. stuff. But yeah, it's pretty slow moving. And Yeah, and does, he's a bit of a jerk. She, yeah, Dart really yeah. didn't like him in mm. that, which was great. Yeah. Like, you're like, oh, I don't like him. You're like, good. Especially after we'd, we'd watched him in uh, It's Wonderful Life. Yeah. He's a real jerk in that film. Yeah. Like he doesn't give, oh, I forget the actress's name, he doesn't give her a clothes back when she's in the bushes. No. And my kids were like, this, this, and we're sitting there, my wife and I just been like, yeah, well, you have to remember, uh, this, this is terrible. And uh, people just didn't recognize it at the time. It was just for laughs. Well, that's and why it's you, not anymore. That's why you got to watch um, Some Like It Hot. Mm. Because it's 1959 and it's men dressing up as women. Yeah. But it's not how funny are men dressed up as... I mean, there is a lot of that. Yeah. Look at Jack Lemmon being a woman. That's pretty funny. But it's not, oh, women are stupid. I don't know. It's it's, mm. it's uh, tiptoes in the raindrops of like... Yeah. Like, at no stage did my children go, oh, this doesn't... A lot of other movies, yeah. even more recent ones, mm. they're like, no, yeah. that, those politics have aged terribly. Yeah. But that one's just like, these two are silly. They're trying to get away with something. Yeah. When are they going to get caught? Mm. But it's not like, we're going to dress up as women and infiltrate women, I think. Yeah. That's, the, that's kind of the difference. Yeah, I don't know. Needs, need to think about it more. But somehow manages. And the la- end of it, like my daughter just said that's the best ending to any yeah. movie she's ever seen. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I, like, I like when an old film lands. There's just something about it where you go, yeah. Yeah, look, stories have always been good. It's not just cinema spectacular through Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff. Like, <laughs> well, there's yeah. so much more. It's the joy of like, they don't watch much Marvel. Yeah. They watch Guardians of the Galaxy, but there's not much Marvel. So I'm yeah. happy with that. Yeah. I'm sure it's coming. Yeah, more. yeah. The more they, right? you know, meet people. Yeah. And I'm sure one of at least one of them will have a boyfriend that's like, how can you not like Marvel? Let's sit down and watch all of them. Yeah, yeah. And I'll talk through, talk you through them. All the t- <laughs> trivia tidbits throughout it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we, we're all over the shop as always. So I wanted to, um, to talk to you about writing. Yes. Right? Yes. That's what we talked about, you know, 10 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so how... Are you and your both your brothers writers? Yeah, we are all writers. So how did was it in, a, in the house? Was we just we always had this sort of creative streak as as youngins. I mean, we read a lot. Yeah, we watched stuff a lot, but then we liked to dabble with creating stories, whether that was writing short stories or talking about them. I can remember being really young, and my old Mark would would like just tell me stories like at bedtime stuff like that. So yeah. he was, he's always been really good at like ideation and cool stuff. Um, and I don't know, we've always had like an interest in it. Many, many years ago, because my, my two brothers, James and, and Mark, they co-write. Oh. So they've, they've co-written stuff and Mark's written some solo novels. Um, and many years ago, probably about 20, they'd co-written a script on a thing. Like we've always been so curious about like how, how to get into some sort of Right, because that's the thing, like a lot of kids grow up being creative. It's mm. how, how did they stick to it? Like or what, yeah. what, is, what is it about having that all of you sort of stuck at it? Mm. That's probably the anomaly more than... I, I wonder that myself as we teach young people here where some of them are creative and they're like, what do, how do I do this? And I try to think like why... Why, why I stuck with it and yeah. I, like, I don't even have like a pat answer no less even like a, a, a good answer but <laughs> it was just one of those things where at a very young age I, I, I called that I'd grow up to be a writer and a teacher right. and I remember 
saying that in year three to a teacher. And they were like, I, I told you, we had a, it sounds like it. we have a very similar life. Yeah. That's just year three, I did the same. Yeah. And so from there, I'd like, I wrote, and I, and I was a dabbler in, in that I, I never finished a lot of stuff to fruition. Certain things would, but I was great at starting stuff and then I'd move on. Yeah. And I did that through high school, sort of college years, 11 and 12, probably less as I was like studying yeah. um, and hanging out with my girlfriend. Um, and then at uni, poking finger back in I, I, I went in some like short writing competitions but not much and then once I started teaching I was like I, I got my first tax return and it was, oh. it was decent because you're only working for half the year and I bought a laptop and I was like I should try and write some stuff huh. and so I spent years uh, I, read, I wrote like four novels I wrote a ton of short stories I wrote way more comic scripts yeah. and it was all sort of like my proving ground of um, practice of just getting those like 10,000 pages out that, right. are, that are pretty rubbish um, yes, and, and, and there's some good ideas still lost in there but they're also I'm, I'm happy to move on from pretty much all of it but it was all me figuring stuff out yeah. and I've always been a comic reader since the early years because my oldest brother was also a, a big Marvel zombie loved loved a lot of different Marvel comics and so they were always around Yeah, and so um, I, I like comic as a storytelling form I think it's so intricate I think it's I always describe it as like each page is like a uh, like a sonnet like it's you've got to structure it in a really specific way right. and it can be different each time and you can break the form but it's always like it's all about balance and, and tone and things like that so and what, I it, what really is cool. the what is the pat structure then like you say like a sonnet um, well what's the rhyme scheme of a, of a comic page I guess for that I always think of a comic page as being like in some form of balance left to right okay. um, and, and you could, like you don't want to necessarily overload it but it might mean that there's a big image on the left and a lot of text on the right there's a, there's a writer um, Ed Brubaker who does a lot of crime comics with this artist in the, the UK Sean Phillips and he does that sometimes where he'll do a big image and it's about 75-80% of the left side of the page and then in that right thick white gutter he'll put slabs of paragraphs right. and that has a nice balance to it but sometimes you go back to old like um ditko stanley spider-man it's like six panel grid stuff yeah. that's got a clear balance to it but it's all about finding that balance and then when you break the balance it's usually like for, for like moment or style right. or, or theme to come through so you might imbalance it because you're going to put a caption on just one side and i find that like fiddling really really fun i like writing prose yeah. um i don't know that i count myself as skilled at it um, but I like that, that that fiddly nature of going I just need to get it right and then I work with artists who are also like that's a dumb layout I'm not going to draw that let me yeah. do it another way and then they'll add their sort of like ingredients to the soup and that collaboration you, you just come out with some really interesting stuff so I, I mean the, the question I, I uh, just looking at your work and all that stuff is how do you conceive of it what it looks like on the page and then how do you get to work with the artist, do you yeah. how much say do you have in that? Do you have a script and you yeah the, sort of the scripts look similar, most similar to like um, film scripts okay. would be the closest um, sort of comparison. And you would normally write it by like breaking down the panels. Yeah. Um, and so I'd be like panel one, two, three, four, five, and maybe the fifth one is a full tier, so it'd be wide. Um, but with all of that, it's all like I don't know suggestions for the artists right and most of the artists I work with are, I know them or I get to know them so we have like a really good relationship where I'll say look I write full script which is panel 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 and sometimes I'll throw in like what we're after or maybe even like uh, to use a movie term like a camera angle mm -hmm. but if you want to ignore it I mean the artist is the person who knows visuals so right. that's their job I can sort of think visually and I think from having read comics for so long I kind of know what I want to see or what I think would work and so I'll happily throw it in there but if they I've had artists like, 
ditch panels, add panels, right. change the composition of a shot or whatever. Um, um, like nearly every single time, they're right. So, the, so they often like edit the oh, yeah. the visual look of it. Yeah, and yeah. Th- and that would have to, I guess, bounce back and forward. And yeah, I'll write the script. I'll send it to them. They'll add notes to it. I'll get it back. I'll finish it. They'll look over it and they'll make like little. Uh, they call them thumbnail sketches. They just map out like the flow of each page. Yeah. It's really scrappy. They send that to me. I I usually just check to make sure I haven't worded something poorly, like I've missed a character or something. So I'll go through and be like, "Yep, this is genius." Then they'll pencil it. I'll look at that. Then they'll ink it. Then yeah. I'll look at that. And by that stage, I don't make any changes. So then it's penciled and inked. Yeah. And then does it go to publishers who then edit? Do you depends, have editors? Depends who I'm working with. Right. Yeah. So like I've worked with publishers in the states. And sometimes they're really hands-on and yeah. they'll approve all those stages as well. And sometimes right, they'll right, just right. say, give us a look at the script. Cool. All right. Artists can just work on it. Send us the finished pages. Right. And so it all just depends on their their workflow. Um, so, um, And I've done self-published stuff and I've done really small publisher stuff. So it, it's some publishers I worked at you know Heavy Metal Magazine like they were an old sci-fi anthology magazine and then they dabbled in like animated films in the 80s I want to say I worked with them and they were super hands off they were just like here's a like truck full of cash and (laughs) send us your comic and we were like this is so weird because yeah. most publishers the more the, the more they, they pay the more they play you know, right, stuff, right, right. right and smaller publishers will often be like alright well maybe we're paying you nothing <laughs> so you can we're going to give you enough rope right. and you're like well okay I wonder what I'll do with it um, and so yeah it's, each, each project and each publisher is kind of different and so yeah. and you start to get a beat on which ones work and which ones don't mm-hmm. but I quite like the editorial process even when I work on my own stuff I have a guy that I know in the UK who's edited heaps of my like either small press or self-published stuff right. and his I, I like the way he edits and thinks about story um, whereas when I worked with Dark Horse um, comics who do like Hellboy and a bunch of licensed stuff the guy I worked with was Michael Shapon's brother right. um, and so I was like oh, you clearly also know story yeah. and, and it's no shock then that that was negative space and that's the one that won a bunch of like national awards right, right, right. so I was like yeah it had like the best so how do you how do you uh, let go of the ego of it because it's collaboration mm. it's not oh I did this comic and you yeah. go make it it's collaboration what they get rid of or their mm. suggestions anytime yeah. you're creative and you've got other people who are giving you advice yeah. is it hard is it easier now than it was is it hard to to not yeah I mean that's a good yeah that's a good way of thinking of it I'm trying to work out if by sharing it it's half to blame for it it's terrible right, right? Like, yeah, yeah, it's, just, yeah. it's a shield yeah. um, but no I, like, I, I, I love that every comic has been co-created and I always keep my artists as co-creators we, we own half of the comic um, yeah. and all the rights and everything um, I kind of like that we've, we've made something together so I like and I make sure that they're credited on the cover alongside me or sometimes in front of me and normally in comics it's author artists or it's just like an author I just said it I never used to say it um, <laughs> or it's writer only right and that seems a bit yeah. So I always make sure we're like really sharing everything. And so, yeah, I, I don't mind, I guess, giving giving half of it away. I mean, my, my artistic skills, so bad. Right. Like so, so bad. Um, that, yeah, I, I would never try to show anything visual and be like, well, I told them what to do. Yeah, no, I, I'm thinking either. more about like if they're changing or do they question like the actual tone or the question, the actual structure or like yeah. when, when people start editing there's always that, that fear kind of you have when somebody looks over something I get that with every imposter syndrome just like kicks in right because you'll get an email back from an editor and they're like I've left some notes and I'm like cool they probably tell me I'm rubbish <laughs> like I can't wait to read how much I screwed the story like it's just it instantly where my mind goes yeah um, I find the same here when like 
you know, mod day. And I'm like, what if I'm wrong? Like, I just instantly doubt every decision like that has ever led me to this point. Yeah. But I also have like a weird, <laughs> I have a weird like layer of confidence where usually I feel if I work towards something, I'll feel like I've done my best and it'll be all right. Yeah. But everything I've ever done before, I can see how it's wrong. Yeah. So two years ago, I was an idiot. Yeah. I don't know what I was doing. And so I'm starting to get to a point now where I'm like, oh no, 43-year-old Ryan's going to know I'm an idiot. Yeah. So am I just an idiot now? Yeah. And, you, and once you get caught in that sort of like reverb between mirrors, like that would be madness. So you're I just try already, to bail out of You're it. already a future idiot. Yeah, basically. Because <laughs> 43-year-old will also be an idiot in yeah. the eyes yeah, of... Yeah, it's yeah. like the inverse of Matthew McConaughey where, do you know that Oscar speech where yes, he was like, my girl. hero's <laughs> in the future. Yeah. And I was like, what? And he's like, I just want to be that person. And I was like, I'm so lost. And then he was like, all right, all right, all right. And that's, you know. I wasn't lost. And I was like, oh my God, this it is was, gross. He's, he's, he's got a worldview. It's not mine, but he's got one. Um, but yeah, imagine I sort of... Imagine though, <laughs> just imagine saying, oh no, my hero is me. <laughs> yeah. Because I'll be better. Like, hmm. yeah, good. But That's who I want to be. Yeah, I want to be me. me. I'm definitely going to become. I mean, it's good. It's really good self-actualization, I'm sure. But yeah. to say it in front of the world... Yeah, it's ballsy. Yeah, when you've made Sweet Home Alabama as well. Like, mm-hmm. come on, man. You can't have it Whereas all. I'm like, my nemesis is me yesterday. Right. And the day before. Well, I always make my year 11 sort of think that way. Like, Yeah. I know you think getting advice from each other on yeah. your relationships, because they do, and they talk very loudly, yeah. is helpful. But think about it. Would you get advice from a year 9 student? And they're like, no. And I'm like... Well, that'll be you in two years' time. Imagine a year 11 student giving you advice. You'd be like, shut up. Yeah. You don't know anything. So always, you always yeah. take that with a grain of salt that I the people like around you... I said year 11 class once where I was like, remember when we did that uh, assessment last semester? You, you were dumber then. You're smarter now. And they're like, we're dumber? I was like, no, you were. Because, I mean, you are smarter now, right? Yeah. Are you not? Do you want me to read your first essays? I'm yeah. happy to. Did you go backwards during our time here? Because yeah. no, you are the smartest you will ever be at this moment. Yeah. And then use that. And they sort of were like, oh, I think you lost us, McConaughey. And I was like, yeah, maybe I did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll rethink <yeah>. my structure. <laughs> yeah. It's fun when they come in like this, you know, on a heater as well. One student last week came in and I'm like, yeah. do you ever wake up and just choose violence? I was like, uh, I don't know. What are you talking about? Oh, I just woke up. She just woke up in a terrible mood. Yeah. It's like, how do I get out of that? I'm like, yeah. I don't know, avoid people. Yeah. So you simmer down and yeah. she said, yeah, I hadn't even made breakfast and my sister was like, what's up with you? Mm. She could just sense. Yeah. So yeah. Interesting to spot her. Yeah. Some self-reflection. Yeah, though. yeah. She's got plenty of self yeah. does I don't know if it helps. Self-reflection at 17 can a lot of times just get in the way. Yeah. Because they're just like, you know, question everything as yeah, you see. Yeah. Um, I wanted to go again, going through your, um, your blog yesterday. Yeah. There was a thing on writing... You didn't call them tips because you don't like calling them tips. Um, But just advice for writers. Yeah, yeah. And you just had one and it just said, this is what I say to all my classes, think on paper. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I don't know what that means. I'm going to ask Ryan. What does does that mean? Think on paper. Don't just sit there and be like, uh, in your head, oh, what would this character do? Oh, I wonder what they could do. Write it down. What would they do? Because then you'll say, well, there's three things that they could do. What would happen if they did those three things? And just like get it out of your head. Because if you just sit on the one thought, you'll just spin on it. Or yeah. at least I will, but I've also, you know, taught enough writing that you see students go, but oh, I don't know what's going to happen next. And it's like, but literally what could happen next? And then they look up and you're like, it's not there. No. You're not going to get it. So I always tell people, write it down and, no, and not even type it. Like, you know, I don't know. 
the studies maybe aren't recent enough, but they show we engage with paper yeah. cognitively in a different way. Um, so all those like apps that like mimic sticky notes and stuff, mm-hmm. I can't do it. I just right. can't do it. Um, whereas with paper, you can just right. yeah, exactly, a little notepad. Yeah. I love little notepads. And so, um, and I got to a point where I'm not too precious. I'll use any notepad. Yeah, expensive, uh, yeah, given as an anniversary gift, whatever. They're all there to be used. And so I will just keep thinking and thinking and rewriting because I, I worked out like my story breaking flow works when I just kind of keep rewriting the plot and then like asking myself questions, but doing it on the page. Because if I pause and just repose and like think about it, yeah, uh, it's, too, it's too distracting. And I don't know, my, my brain, it, 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 it fractures really easily and really quickly. So anything can happen and I'll instantly think of like 20 possible responses and that's too much. And so right. I don't need that. I need to follow trails and go, all right, well, what's one thing that could happen? Fracture that a little bit, only as fast as I can write. Two, three things. And then right. I'll go, oh, okay, two of these are rubbish. And then eventually I sort of algorithm myself to a nice little sort of like scene perhaps. Right. Um, so, yeah, I try to get students to do that because then also they'll sometimes think of cool stuff and then go, oh, I'm not going to write it down. Yeah. It's gone. It's just gone. Yeah. Don't you find that's the hard part of teaching those? Is something that this technique... Yeah. system that you have mm. obviously like you said done 10,000 pages on yeah. to, that works for you mm. then you're like students with no skills and no yeah. haven't done any writing or extended writing you don't even want to write you don't want to actually yeah. do it here's what mm. you do to make your writing good yeah it's how do you get them to actually to do it trying to and I've been having chats with with, with Chris as we teach an 11 class at the moment and trying to get students to understand writing doesn't just magically happen. Whether it's Spielberg's latest film or yep. whether it's one of my comics or whether it's an essay that they have to submit in an hour 40, there's a plan yeah. Like, and there should be. And if there's not, it's yeah. probably not going to be great. And so trying to talk to them about processes, I do that a lot in class where I try to model my thinking and yeah. go, um, and I've seen Jen do it really well when she, um, she explodes words. Well, what does this word make us think? And what are the historical connections? And then you get half a board of all this stuff where it's like, so there was a word yeah. and now we have all this sort of stuff. And I try to do that mm. where I'm like, here's the, where I go. And I love doing it creatively with the class. That can be really, really fun. Yeah. But then I see kids turn around and go, oh, cool, that works for you. Yeah. We're not you. And yeah. I'm like, well, no, but like literally anybody can be to a degree. Whether it's quality, who knows? I can't even vouch for that myself. But can they go through the steps? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think there's 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 fear and doubt, and and that's probably all that's in the mix when they yeah have right of, they of, just go I can't do it wrong. Whereas yeah. like um as, like I say it's most classes here, but the 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 uni class that I'm teaching intro to writing at, I just say to them like first draft worst draft. Yeah. Like every single time, no matter what your first idea, your first title, you actually wrote the thing, first draft, worst draft. Like yeah. you have to have then a process of going over it. Um, so you can use like thinking on paper and ideation, you can, you can use it in editing, but I like, I really believe in it. Um, and, and I don't know, I guess if I'm teaching a room of 20 kids and two of them go, I'm forever going to do this, that's a win. Like, yeah. realistically, yeah. statistically, I think that that's pretty cool. And maybe I'll get another 2% when I wash over it again in six months' time yeah. or something. Um, but, yeah, just thinking stuff like magic's out. Yes. Where people will be like, oh, did your, did, did your comic, like, sell well or get an award? You're so lucky. It's like, lucky is like, what is it? Opportunity meets preparation. Yeah. Or probably the inverse, preparation meets opportunity. But, yeah, no one just gets lucky not really except no. for those like one percent where it's like he's literally walking down the street and tarantino was like hey you want to start on a film and now he's brad pitt and you're like nah that's yeah not it's not happened. gonna happen no yeah and behind every overnight success is 10 years of hard work well that's yeah. why last year year 10s we studied goodwill hunting yeah and that was the 
good thing I could say to them was like, mm. what a great movie. It took them eight years and yeah. four people bought it and then gave it back to them because no one did anything with it. And yeah. they had this all this other plot that they had to get rid of. I love that. All the, of that, this stuff. That and, film was like act one, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and all of this stuff that you now see and you watch it and you go, oh, they just sat down and they wrote. Yeah. What it, now, what should he say next? Oh, yeah. And then mm. he says that great thing and then it goes, yeah. moves to this great scene. So there's all deleted scenes, mm. all this extra stuff yeah. that you just don't see. For eight years went into this movie where they're like, we need to make it soon, otherwise we'll be too old to play the characters <laughs> that we suck. want to play. Yeah. So that's all of that stuff, is, yeah, built into it. But it's um, I had a win last week when the I got two students from my year eleven class, yeah, who had done well with their essay, mm. come into my year ten class who were about to do their oh, essay. Oh yeah. And. I showed them the feedback I'd given them and we had a chat beforehand and then the, I said to the attendees, ask them questions. And they said, how did you, like, how did you do so well or how did you mm. do well in this task? And they both just said, I just put in heaps of work. It's yeah. the first time I've put in lots of work. I, I, we did The Great Gatsby, halfway through it I was saying to Matt, why are we reading this stupid book? It's boring. I hate these characters. Mm. And he said, good. Mm. Why do you hate them? And yeah. then I read it, and then I read it again, and then I wrote out a pretend essay and yeah. highlighted, like you said, highlighted the bits that I was like, oh, that's good, that's yeah. good. The other student was like, oh, I um, went through all the notes that we were given. Mm. I read like articles that Matt yeah. sent us, and then I cornered him one day and asked him one question, which was a 30-minute conversation, and I took notes. Yeah. And the attendants were like, oh. Mm. Like that. It's uh, I, I, the yeah. phrase I always use is the people who get A's aren't wizards. No, they don't just sit there and it flows through yeah. them. But that's a myth that we have, right? Of artists. It seems to be, yeah. That they're you know somehow touched by God or yeah, something, and it you just have some innate ability, or you're lucky, and yeah, or they have a muse that lets it all pour out of them. Yeah, but it's like no, no. It's yeah. just a ton of... But like, sitting down every day. And do you have a process of like, you will write every day, no matter what? Yeah. So I get up at 4 a.m. each day and I write for two hours. Um, and exactly that, that might be emails with publishers, but it might be story on paper and it might be script or anything oh, in between. Yeah. But yeah, every, every day. I switched to mornings like maybe two, three, four years ago. Before then it was nights. Right. So um, my eldest was 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 terrible sleeper. Right. really 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 bad and so I would say to my wife go to bed at 8 o'clock just get four solid <laughs> uninterrupted hours the earplugs would go in right. and I would sit there and, and if he slept I'd get some work done and if not I'd be up and down but I'd write till like 12 um, so that was a lot of writing time in the day but I also was like trying to fit in a bit of reading in there and stuff like that but then I found I was pushing it and sometimes I wouldn't go to bed till like 2 yeah. and then I'd still get up at 6 so my wife would take the midnight to 6 sort of duty and then I'd get up at 6 um, let her maybe sleep in a little bit or I'd make her breakfast and I'd be up with a kid and prep to go to school. Um, but those late nights, I, especially uh, as I was closing in on 40, I was like, I'm just yeah. starting to feel tired. I was just sitting in the office going, <laughs> I'm really tired. And I was having coffee at like 9 p.m. I'd have a coffee and then right. go to the office. And that was fine because it seems to go out of my system really quickly. So I'd always get to sleep. I've never had like a moment of mm -hmm. laying there going, oh, I wonder when sleep will occur. I'm always exhausted. So it was good, but I was noticing I just felt exhausted at the screen. So now I get up at four and I feel really fresh. That's actually quite nice to just like really targeted two hours. Mm. And I feel like I like you really you, you use whatever time you've got. Yeah. And so I get as much as I kind of can done, which is kind of nice. Well, how much I'm going to get stuck when you wake up at four o'clock. Yeah. What time do you go to bed? Uh, it was 10. So I get six hours sleep. No, six hours is, is perfect for me. 
Um, now, I don't know if it's because I'm getting old or if COVID hit me, but right, post right, that, yeah. I need like six and a half hours now. Six and a half? Yeah. I, yeah right. I, I, like, it's this distinct switch that occurred, like, when did I get COVID? Like, two years ago? Yeah. Um, not even his time anymore. I can't remember. No but one knows anymore. I know that there was a bit of a shift. So now at about 9.30, I'll be reading in bed and I can feel myself getting the old noddy yeah. nods. Right. And I'm like, oh, just... Well, you've been up since four. That's why. That makes sense, right? But it didn't used to. I would be up from four till 9.30. I'd yeah. be fine. I'd have half an hour. And I'll go until 10 and then just be like, all right, time yeah, to... Yeah, but that's what happens <laughs> with age. I remember going to work on 45 minutes sleep. These yeah. things were possible. But it was totally, totally, totally human. Nah, I can't. I can't anymore. So now I get like about six and a half hours sleep. But it works. It just seems... And I know that's not for everybody. Um, right. I, I don't know. I don't know like why that works. Yeah. For, for me. I'm sure I'll like shave 10 years off the end of my life. Who knows? It is always... I, a, I keep telling my wife, she her sleep schedule's terrible she goes to bed at 1 30 yeah two o'clock sometimes and yeah. i'm just like it's fine but you know what's <laughs> you know yeah. it's inevitable don't you yeah just read something about mm, sleep yeah you, you read about people getting less sleep and you go oh yeah i mean none of my family has ever made it out of their 70s right so i'm like that's uh, that's dire but yeah who knows? So I'll say that's that's so far away though that's, right and future ryan's an idiot so yeah <laughs> It's also his problem. And we'll have robot it. dogs by then. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, I'll just be riding the old uh, Boston <laughs> dynamics around. It'll be totally, totally fine. Right, I've got, I've got two, two questions. Oh, uh, let's, we'll go through. I just a few things that came out just yeah. going through all the stuff I looked at. So obviously, your love of Stephen King. Oh yeah. Uh, you said <laughs> things. That, how my brain works. You said uh, Stephen King's The Shining, The Stand. Yeah. The- the which, Shining? Which is your favourite? Oh, The Shining. The yeah, Shining, yeah, yeah. right? Mm. You said, The Shining was my favourite book for such a long time. Mm. And now it's number two. Yes. Well, don't write that and not tell me what number one is. <laughs> just, uh, leave them hanging. Always. Uh, um, no, uh, yeah, I'd read that in like high school and I just loved right. it and just kept loving it. And then I read uh, Michael Chabon's uh, The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier right, right, and right. Clay. Huh. I just loved that. I thought like his prose is phenomenal. Yeah. He's so lyrical. It's, 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 it's like a whole other skill. Um, and so that that clicked in the first. When you place. read those authors, where you're like, oh my god, there's like eight things on this page that are, yeah. you want to say. Hey, listen to this phrase. Yeah. Listen to this sentence. Tony Morrison is the same. Yeah, you're like, oh my god. Mm. I just read a good book, and now I've picked up a Tony Morrison book, and that last book is yeah. toilet paper. Yeah, it pales <laughs> everything else out. It's horrible. It's it's pretty. It's it's as as a writer, it's so intimidating to see people that good. Yeah, but also to temper myself and be like, well, I'm not that good. That's right. Okay. Yeah, and that's the thing of like that's part of the why we think people are wizards, right? Because yeah. some people, some students yeah. have this ability mm. to just express themselves clearly, yeah. and maybe it's because they've read everything and it's yeah. all a good sentence is well in their head. Yeah. But a lot of times you're like, if it again, it's that. I, I wonder the disservice we do in education is. Yeah. Encourage those natural ability students from early age, yeah. and go, "Wow, you're great!" Pat them on the head, and then yeah. they come to college and they're great. Mm. And then the other kids just look at them and go, "Well, they're always being just patted on the head for being great." Yeah. I've never heard a teacher say to them, "Yeah, you you got an A, but mm. yeah, yeah, this is iffy, and you need to fix this." Yeah, they're often just like, "Good, no notes, you're good, no notes." And I've I've talked to a lot, especially when I was in high school, of yeah. those high achieving kids would actually complain yeah because they're like i oh, just get left alone you're like yeah because you're nice and you yeah that's get it. a's it's easy they're like i want to i want to grow further. i want to grow further so sometimes that's hard part so you mm. the shining is your favorite stephen king book yes. thoughts on the movie compared to the book 
Um, I love the film, like Kubrick's film. I really love it. It's a different beast. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're not so loyal to Stephen King that you're like, yeah, Stephen, you're right. The nah. movie sucks. You're the only one that thinks that. Yeah, I, he's 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 got the the blinkers on for that one. Yeah. I think he, but but he's also like he's not wrong in that it's a terrible adaptation. Right. Yeah. But it's such a good film. Yeah. Like it's so. I good, guess but that's it's just the thing, doing right? Something different. If you're the author and then you go and you're like, well, that's not my book, so. Yeah. I had I had this argument with Tom Taylor, who's a Melbourne-based uh, comic uh, writer, and he does a, a, a ton of DC stuff and, and Marvel stuff. Loves Superman, and so he hates Man of Steel. Right. And my take is always like, that's Zack Snyder's view of Superman. I, I respect his view and I actually don't mind the film. But mm. I'm also not like, uh, like I don't love Superman. Yeah, Superman's not, not my guy. So I'm like, I also know that I don't have that connection to it. So I would, I'm not going to say anyone's right or wrong, but I don't, I don't mind like different people having different views, like in the way that they create stuff. Yeah. Um, and so like with Kubrick, I, I quite like that he, he, it's almost like an inverse. Of, like someone had pointed out the other day that the book of The Shining ends with flames and the film ends in ice. And one's like about family and warmth and one's about the coldness. Yeah. Of well, that's like Kubrick is all about coldness, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, there's that detachment that just comes in. Why he ever wanted to make the film of that book actually baffles know. me. That's the only like thread that I can't pull on because I'm like, where was that? Who, <laughs> like, did you, he surely didn't need a paycheck. No. Yeah. So no, it, or did he look at it and le legitimately just go through my lens? This would be so different. This like is about an artist that, yeah, whose family are annoying him. Yeah, that's what I reckon he did. I think he went, oh, yeah. it's an artist, and the life, every, the life around him is intruding on his art, and then yeah. he can't produce. Mm. If the world would leave me alone, yeah, I could be a great artist. Yeah. But then, I'll just, you know, mm. when I'm ready, then I'll yeah. let you back into my life. Like, yeah, he's uh, not how it works. He's a, yeah, he was. He's an odd dude. Because I think it's King who has the quote where he's like, um, uh, "Art is life's is a life support for your life, not the other way around. You don't live a life just to make your art." Right. Um, I've just mangled his quote, but the idea is that he's like, "No, you live your life first, which is interesting for a guy who became like a massive cokehead and was clearly ignoring his family through the eighties. He's having a good life though. He's yeah, the best. he got to direct a film. He was like doing everything. <laughs> um, but he, but he, he also, I mean, experience breeds wisdom and so he's seen through that and gone oh okay no I, I think I got a little too yeah. far into my cave and then eventually wrote the Tommy Knockers and people were like nah it, it was alright when you were coking out Cujo and yeah, stuff but now right. you're just coking out rubbish let's, yeah. let's fix you um, so because his, his, his whole thing is like family and I, I, that I kind of dig I, I find King fascinating that he has such humanity humanity even though he writes sometimes really violent characters yeah. but he has such a view of humanity and he can do multiple perspectives on it i think it's and we just go oh it's rabid dogs and vampires and scary clowns and you go oh man it's so it's so much more but it's it's hard to like get people to see that and yeah. people can then go well why don't i find that in like a tony morrison or a shabon book and then i don't have to deal with the weird icky pseudo-sexual stuff yeah, and yeah. The violence and you go yeah, when yeah. you're 12 years old and you're reading it and you're like what is going on what is this scene at 12 like does this scene need to be in the book? Yeah, does this make sense? I'm going to let older Ryan figure this out. And older Ryan was like, what the hell? I think I thought, oh, let's just... No, no. Now, listen to discretion. Just, uh, there's a scene in it that you need to be careful of in that book. Yeah. Uh, don't she teach it in a class. No, you're 12-year-olds <laughs> reading it. Then, I don't know, you can't rip the pages out, but just go, eh, it's not. It's, yeah, so sometimes it gets a little bit funky, and I'm like... Well, that whole book, the last third of it's funky. I remember reading and mm. going, 
didn't get any of that. There was a turtle yeah. and a thing and it's space and yeah, cool. Mm. They all get high in a cave and yeah, you're like, all right. It's sort of, and that's where I kind of like, like as a kid, I like my oldest brother loves Stephen King, so I was like, I was reading a ton of Stephen King at a young age, and I was like, oh, I love Stephen King. He, yeah. he might be my favorite author. And then I would sort of um, branched out from there into like Clive Barker and Dean Koontz, and they were all. Various levels are good. I quite like Clive Parker's view of stuff, but it's very weird. Very and then I weird, found yes. Philip K. Dick uh, novels, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. And I read so many of them, and I was like, I think he's my favourite author. Right. Um, and then he was for, for many, many years, but I've sort of gotten to a point now where I'm like, no, your favourite author can change. Like, you don't need to be locked into these things. And, and Michael Chabon's stuff has been really fascinating yeah. to me. And, and there's still more of his stuff to read, which is which really um, excites me to be able to go back through stuff that I haven't gotten. So how do you how do you moderate yourself with that? Like if you've got all these books, yeah, to read, do you ha- do you have to be in the right mind? Do you want to be in the r- a specific mind state to read his books? Yeah, I want like a decent like I wouldn't read his stuff through like a marking heavy marking right. period his feel like sort of like summer reads where I can just sort of like really stew on it and underline stuff and, and enjoy it oh, um, you're an underliner oh, I love underlining yeah yeah just any lines that I like where I'm like man that turn of phrase was was something else yeah I'll um I hope you don't I'll lend do your books to other people with it underlined that's that's, that's what not. the kids do yeah I, sh- I borrowed a book from a student it's great yeah some book and then Justine read it mm. and she said mm. Why'd they underline this? I'm like, I don't know, that's what they do. And she said, this is like watching a movie with someone saying, watch this bit. This bit's coming up. <laughs> she said, it would be annoying. And then you would read the bit they've underlined and then the next paragraph, you'd be like, that's way better. Yeah, yeah, so, you underlined the wrong thing. So she was like, oh, that was annoying. And I was like, oh, I'm going to tell students that. That's yeah. a, the hard bit. I don't loan a lot of, like I don't finish a book and then try to foist it on someone. Because no. I know I can't borrow books. Cause right. I, and I never know what I'm going to read next. Right. It's whenever I finish a book, whatever that day's vibe in will kind of dictate what comes up next. Yeah. Um, I know my son gets really annoyed that there's a book on my shelf. Um, Alex Garland, who's directed a bunch of films, his second film, The Tesseract, yeah. I've owned for like 18 years and I've yet to read. And he's like, but it's on your to-read shelf. And I was like, and I will one day, but it's not years. today again. Wow. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I definitely I've got Moby Dick. It. I've got Moby Dick there. It's got three markers in it where I got two. Yeah. Three times I've started reading it. 50 pages of I like an aspirational book. I yeah. don't mind Moby Dick. There's a there's a good story hidden in it's there. It's really great. Yeah. But there's a lot of wailing. Yeah. Well I haven't got to that yet. Oh. He's just walking around the town and it's funny. Yeah. And I enjoyed it, but it's like it's, it's when you read it and you're so like much more. I've read for two hours and I'm on page fifty. There's like yeah. eight hundred pages to go. Yeah. Whereas you read something like, I don't know, Anna Karenina mm. and you're like, huh. Ah, yeah. I don't know if you know this, but this Tolstoy, Tolstoy mm. guy, he's a really good writer. Yeah. This book's really great. So much to tell somebody about. <laughs> That's that. right. Who'd have thought? <laughs> the word. Yeah. Um, and the other, <laughs> what the last thing I wanted to ask you about was uh, you mentioned seeing Suspiria. Mm. Now you mentioned before Argento. Argento, yeah. yeah. The original Suspiria. Yeah. You watched that way too young. Mm. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And Tenebrae. Oh, uh, yep. And Terror at the Opera. They're always red. A lot of mm. red filters and yeah. stuff like that. So what did you think of the the, the remaking of Suspiria? I, I, I've seen it once in the cinema and it was a hell of an experience. Wow. Yeah. It was, I thought it was quite good. I quite liked it. Yeah. I didn't rewatch the original before going into it because I thought, you know, I'm just going to let yeah, the new no, thing right. be its thing. I really dug it. Yeah. Yeah, it was, and and, and when, it, when it was nasty, it was really, yeah. Um, 
uncomfortable in a very effective way. Yeah. And I don't watch I don't watch a lot of horror any, anymore. But basically, since I had kids, it was almost like a ten year <laughs> gap of no horror films. That's, that's pretty accurate. Yes, yeah, and it's only the last few years I've caught up on like the modern stuff, like Midsummer and all these things, where people are like, "You got to see these," and there's some of them pretty good. But as a kid, I watched it. I watched it all, but I made space for Suspiria. Yeah, God. And the soundtrack I really liked too. Of course, yeah, um, Tom York. Really, really good. Um, Yeah, that was one where it was nice to see... I don't know, it was was nice to just see something that's really artistic. Yeah. Every now and then it's kind of nice to watch something where you just go, oh, yeah, this is... Yeah, this is trying something. Yeah, it's it, it's more thoughtful than just being streamlined, yeah. which is easy and fun. And when you, when you don't have enough sleep or your kids are up late, streamlined is great. That's right. Um, but I don't know. I love when creative people have a swing. Yeah, I, I like that. That always excites me. Yeah. Um, and I like to try and do that in my own stuff. So I like to see when it happens and see when it lands or why it doesn't. Yeah. And try to like deconstruct things like I uh, like uh, Christopher Nolan's Tenet. Yes. I got to the end of that um, and just as my wife came home with the kids and she was like, oh, perfect timing. Did you like it? And my response was, I don't know. And she's like, I don't, that, that doesn't compute. You did or you didn't. And I was like, I cannot, I cannot compute it myself, but I need to think about it. And I spent like a month chatting with different friends about that film. And in the end, I was like, yeah, I still like need to rewatch it to basically like map it temporally. Yeah. But I know I appreciated the experience. Yeah. And there are sequences in there that are just so good. I yeah. don't know that it's accessible easily as a film. Um, but that's also kind of cool. Well, I think I watched that at home and I thought, I'll just watch the first half an hour and then go to bed. Yeah. And I watched the whole thing. Yeah. So, tick. Yeah, right? It's doing its job. That's, that's its job. And, yeah. and did I enjoy it? Sure. Is yeah. it good? Maybe. Yeah. Christopher Nolan. This is my favorite sure. thing. And I like, like, Memento is such a phenomenal film and Nolan's yeah. stuff is so good. And I love that he creates, like, I always say, like, his films like little Swiss watches. Yeah. yeah. They're always so intricately carved and he knows exactly where each time moment is. Doesn't mean I love all of them. No. And sometimes you can see there's a Swiss, Swiss watch. You can sometimes see the gears. Yeah. And you're like, I've it's... worn this watch before. Yeah. You've made this one. Like, there's a lot of that, but. They're, I don't know. They're always enjoyable. I saw Oppenheimer. I was like, "Yep, okay." Yeah. I don't know about the last hour in that whether it was necessary, but yeah. there were bits in that where mm. I was thought that's really, really effective, and yeah. you did an explosion in the movies yeah. that you know brought mm. tears to my eyes. Yeah. Made me think about all of humanity and the history of the world. Yeah. That's pretty impressive for a movie. It's pretty. Yeah. To pretty just effective. do that, but then. After that, I was like, "Well, where to, where do you go from there?" Like in yeah. the movie, in the actual movie, it's yeah. like, "Well, that's what I felt then." Mm. The rest of the movie is never going to live up to, yeah. to that like few seconds where I was like, "Oh, it was humanity. an odd one." And and I read an interview with him where he said it's part heist film. And yeah. I was like, "Oh yeah, I totally got that as part of it." Yeah. And it's part biopic, and then it was something else. And I was like, "Yeah, it felt." And it, but it's, it's drama. None of, it, none and of it's an accident, at least. No, no, no. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, like even just failing on your own merits, I think is can be really interesting That's or because cool. some of my some of my comics people have said like oh i needed to i needed to read it more than once and some people say that in such an excited way and some people are like oh yeah i yeah, don't know it wasn't very good because i had to read it twice and i was like <laughs> but it's by design but but am i by design blocking out 20 yeah, percent right, and right, if right. so like that's also i think okay as long i mean as that is a, that is artistic risk isn't it to yeah like, i'm gonna make this sort of not impenetrable but difficult yeah and then because some people will love it yeah and and i sort of think based on the amount of like like i'm not i'm never looking to go full-time with my writing right like it's i really love teaching and also like writing doesn't 
just give you superannuation and it doesn't give you like any security or anything. And so I'm always like, well, for, for what I'm going to spend my time doing, I want to be really invested and I want right. to be excited by it. So I'll do like weird ideas or I'll do like formalistic stuff that's like playing with the form of comics and, and that sort of stuff excites me. And to get up at 4 a.m., I've got to be excited. Do you do the same in the classroom? Do you mess around with the form and the structures? And I try to. Yeah? Yeah. Because, you know, this is my 20th year teaching. And it got to a point with my wife where she was like, are you just a really bad teacher and that's why you need to stay late because you're still making resources or are you just relentless? And I was like, well, you're married to me. You should you say, well, let's go with the second one, shall <laughs> <Yeah>. we? Because <laughs> we did a PL the other day where they talked about you, you're, you're holding five balls. It feels like the opening of a Nolan film, but it's like one is work, one is family, one right. is friends, one is health, one is your spirit. Um, four okay. of them are glass, but work is not. It will bounce back. And I sort of worked out, but I work nonstop. Not to the point of shattering, hopefully, any of the others. Yeah. But I was like, but no, for me, if I drop work, it feels like it would shatter. And I had to stew on that for a while because my wife was like the inverse. She's like, my work ball, I just punted it out the window. I'm yeah, but this is the thing. We always hear this stuff in teaching. Yeah. I don't know whether it's just teacher's mindsets. Yeah. But if you drop that ball, someone's yeah. got to pick it up. Yeah. You know, all right. Work's not important. Yeah. I'm out of here. Yeah. Well, I've got three classes of marking. Yeah. How does who's, that help the 18-year-olds who want to go to uni? Who's doing that? Who's marking the work? Someone yeah. else. Cool. The best link I could make was that, that fifth ball, which was spirit. Spirit. I, I derive a lot of spirit from my work. Yeah. Whether that's writing or whether that's teaching. Like, I love coming in and fiddling with stuff and trying to improve lessons and trying to, like, meet the students where they are. Yeah, I don't know whether I do it in writing or teaching, but I like I like the intricacy of trying. There's something about it where it's 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 a cool problem. I mean, I like my first job was um, in like a metal factory, and I would just sweep for hours like a Dickens character. And I was 12, and then eventually I got put onto like a pseudo apprentice boilermaker. So I was spot welding and, and drilling and sawing, and it was just like repetitive. And I instantly knew I was like, well, I can't do this for 60 more years. Like it was just. It, it gave me no like that was a that was a not even a ball it was a concrete slab I could drop and just wouldn't care um, I knew that I wanted something that would be sort of engaging and hats off to the people that are like I want that rubber ball in a factory where I don't care because I'm going to put everything into the other four and I'm going to be the family person and I'm going to have time for my mates um, and I try to find that balance but I find that work informs my spirit and if work's not going well, writing or teaching, I can feel that drain upon me, mm. and I don't want that to leak out. So yeah, it was an interesting it was an interesting point of self reflection this week to look at it and go, oh yeah, okay, why do I feel it's different? And try to like tunnel into what it is. Yeah. I guess. Hmm. All right. Well, I'm going to leave it there. Nice. That's it. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Too easy. <laughs>